0: Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Chain Bytes 360 podcast, the podcast about everything from cryptocurrency and underlying technologies to current news in the industry. I'm Jeremy Snyder, CEO of BTM Compliance, joined by Eric Grill, the CEO of Chain Bytes. In today's episode, we're going to interview another pioneer in the space of Bitcoin. Eric Grill would probably classify him as an OG in the crypto space. Today's guest is Lamar Wilson, founder of Black Bitcoin Billionaires. Lamar is a serial entrepreneur and a blockchain architect. He's a soft taught developer and a graduate from the University of Kentucky with a degree in finance. All right, let's get into it, guys. Lamar, welcome to our show. So tell us about your, your project then.
1: What yeah, so Black Bitcoin Billionaire, um, I've been educating people on Bitcoin for a while. Uh since the moment I discovered it, even when I built the people wallet back in the day where you were talking about you met me at a conference. Um, I built the feeble wallet, and uh, yeah, feeble. Let's say with the PH, right? Yeah, P H E E V A. Yeah, and I started telling everybody I could about it because number one, I feel like a lot of the information don't get to my community, and when I mean my community it's not necessarily just the black community. It's like we were in lower in a lower income area, right? And so a lot of times people don't take that information into those communities, and so when I found it, I was like, "Hey, man, listen, this is how everybody can get free." And so I started trying to tell everybody about it. Um, and so from that point, I've always educated people uh, Bitcoin. And so I started a club on a, a I mean, a, what do you call it? a Facebook group? It got like twenty six thousand people. And so then we started when Clubhouse came out. One of the guys from that group was like, well, Mar, you got to check out Clubhouse. It reminds me of what we used to do on Coin. It was called Coin, now it's called Coinda. But it was like it reminds us of what we used to do over there." And I was like, really? So I checked it out. And it's funny because I didn't have an iOS device. So I had to go buy. I, the first time I ever got on Clubhouse, I was on my niece's iPod Touch. Uh, <laughs> which people don't know. So then I went and bought an iPod Touch because I was like, okay, I just need a little quick device to get on here. Um, and that that club, we just wanted to educate, right? And that club wound up getting... Uh, it's it's now grown to what, 158,000 people or something like that? So Nice. So yeah, that's been a That's been a really cool thing. And just really educating people and trying to give them the truth about the protocols. As you read in the bio fluent and all of that was like our attempt to use software to do other like using blockchain to do other things. And because of those attempts and understanding and working with JP Morgans and all of that, it's like now we see like the things that probably shouldn't be done. You know what I mean? And so I have such a wealth of knowledge just from (laughs) running out into the wilderness and getting shot in the back with the arrows. Like they say, (laughs) Like that's that's what happened to the pioneers. That's what Black Decoy Billionaire was. It's just me trying to still do the same thing I've been doing since the beginning. It's just that the crowds get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right?
0: So is Clubhouse your main platform then for, for doing that? Or do you go to conferences or you do a little of everything?
1: I mean, because of what happened on Clubhouse, it has raised the profile. I've always spoken conferences, even all the way back then uh, when I met you at the Bitcoin on the Beltway.
0: You probably spoke then. I, I, yeah, it was so long ago. Who knows? <laughs>
1: yeah, every every conference I pretty much have gone to, I've been a speaker since I've been in the game. Because uh, the very first conference was because I had a wallet, uh, the wallet that you couldn't get uh, in the Apple Store, but you could get on your iOS device. So it was very interesting to them. I mean, so they let me the story, speak.
0: Tell, tell the story of that, because you told that earlier. And, and honestly, that was the first time. I remember it was hard and kludgy to get it, but I didn't remember why. And, and I, you, you got to tell why. This is this is a great story.
1: When I found Bitcoin or whatever, I was software developer by trade, got a finance degree. So when I found Bitcoin, I was like, I have to build something for uh, Bitcoin. So I started thinking about what I could build. And I came up with this idea called coin IDs. And then I was like, you know what? If I have a coin ID, I have to have a wallet. So let me build a wallet. So I started learning and teaching myself There weren't any books I always say this My friends are the ones that write all the books That everybody talks about now Because we've been around so long That there were no books And those guys wanted to writing books I probably should have wrote a book, Eric um, <laughs> I know they made the money, right? Like that's, We'll talk about that too <laughs> Yeah, all those guys, all those guys were like Andreas and all of that They wrote these books but before there were no books, so I had to figure out how to build a wallet. And I built a wallet called the Fever Wallet. Well, in the midst of us building it, wallets got banned, mm-hmm. off of Apple. And I remember people were shooting their phones in the backyard, like "Screw Apple!" <laughs> <laughs> just, like, shooting, shooting their phone. And so uh, myself, my business partner Leif, we were like, "Okay, what can we do?" So I said, "Man, I said, what about using a going to use a co-op? Because if we use a co-op, we can use the enterprise license." right? And so, because you could put however many members you want in a co-op, and Apple will allow you with an enterprise license to distribute your application to anybody that's within your organization. Everybody who got the wallet basically became a member of the co-op. So we allowed them to become a member of the co-op, they download the wallet, and then that allowed us to distribute to the iOS devices even though Apple had banned all uh, Bitcoin wallets. So we kind of used but we always say, a little bit of hood rigging to to get it done. Um, Basically be able to get around, so uh and that's how we that's how I kind of got a a name in the space because we were able to do that when nobody else in the world was even thinking like that right
0: I was going to say that thought process is exactly what gets people into Bitcoin experimenting with stuff and saying oh no let's let's work around that let's let's use this or even better use a tool like Bitcoin that nobody can stop right and so you can do whatever you want and and yeah so I get it i've a I've been a software developer my whole life too in the hedge fund space so you know, I think there's not a lot of us and and so looking at it uh you know, like what an opportunity, right? I was around when the internet started and didn't ha- we who knew what to do? I didn't. And so I just worked at a company building code and and but when Bitcoin came around, I knew. I knew what was happening.
1: <laughs> so what is your wallet doing today? Nothing. <laughs> Closing down. So I would tell you why we close it down. So um what we started to realize is, at that time, there wasn't a lot you could do with a wallet to make money. So it's like we started realizing we have all of this liability, and no way to really fight it, because there was nobody knows this, and I hardly ever say this, but there was a a bug in the code one time, and this guy was moving up tons of Bitcoin and wound up losing six Bitcoin to the miners based on the bug I had in the code. Luckily, we caught it. But he was the only person sending huge numbers, and we was using this big number library um and I used it in the wrong way. uh you' doing that javascript the bitcoin j s code right yep, in that library exactly, and it and it and it sent sticks bitcoin to uh the miner like it, it did the math wrong
0: yep, the fee, so it just makes the fee. i i i had that happen to me too. It was like what the like no. but you made somebody else's day. <laughs> the miners it, it was the fee because what yeah, it, it, it the, was, the minor, yeah the miner
1: yeah the miner got paid
0: yeah the fee was like six pick or whatever you, whatever your part, change the, the was became the amount you sent yeah funny that was that was yeah, a great it's bug, the difference between was, whatever
1: you sent and the change yep and i sent so much bitcoin and the guy hit me up at three o'clock in the morning i was in new york he hit me up it's like man, I lost six Bitcoin. What are you going to do about it? Like, he's emailing me first, and then I get it because I just stay up all the time. And he's emailing me at 3 in the morning, and I'm like, what are you going to do about it? He's like, if you don't get this thing fixed, I'm getting on Reddit tomorrow, and I'm going, and I was like, oh my gosh. I said, look, yeah, yeah. I said, I'll send you six Bitcoins so that, so that you square. So I shot him six Bitcoins. I always say that's the costliest mistake I've ever made, right? It's like a $120,000 mistake or whatever it is today. I don't know what the price is right now, but... Like it's a mm-hmm. hundred. And when it was at 60, it was a $360,000 mistake. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I'm like, it was, it's, it's like one of the biggest mistakes I made just from a little piece of software a bug. Imagine if all the, cause we had thousands of people that had our wallet. Imagine if all the people who had our wallet had that same grievance. Right. Oh, no, I we're not that's, making that's any money I got in. Right.
0: That's why I never got into wallets. I was like, "How do you make money?" And you're taking all this risk because if you introduce something bad, you're done. That's the end of your business. They're never going to trust you again. And this thing has—you yep. know—all these people are going to lose yep. money. And yeah, exchanges kind of the same way, but uh, there's enough money in exchanges that make the risk. Yeah. Uh, but not on wallets. Um, that's why I don't. I don't know how Paul Puy's survived with a little bit. They different but that's there.
1: because as we went along, people started putting in the ability to broker in the wallet. So then they made money on the fees. But back then, there weren't many APIs to allow you to tap in, to allow you to broker without you going through the whole uh, money transmit, like doing all the crazy stuff to get it to go, to get it going. Now you can use like some other service and just use their APIs to actually do it. But back then, we did have one thing. We were selling um, gift cards in the wallet. So we had gift. We were the first people to put like gift in them. so you could go use your Bitcoin basically at Whole Foods. Go to Whole Foods, buy the gift card and, and use it right there at Whole Foods. And we still have to this day we still have the best commercial ever in Bitcoin. I say that every time. It's mm-hmm. uh it's the FIBA. it's if you go to FIBA plus Gift, G Y F T and look at that commercial, it's the best commercial ever in Bitcoin. All right. Um we'll, we'll, we'll have to check it out because, Yeah, but we stopped it. We stopped it because it was like Man, like you can't have this much. Like six Bitcoin of liability was enough for me. I was like, no, nope, we got to figure out how to wind this thing down. Everybody has their keys. Uh, we'll tell them. I mean, tell them all to dump all their stuff out of it and keep it going. The problem is everybody didn't do it, and so there's nope. still like I think four. back two years later when they, people when they see blame. it on
0: TV and go, hey, where's my Bitcoin?
1: <laughs> and you know what I do? I shoot them over the link. I'm like, here, it's the same link we sent to everybody else. And I've been doing that for the last, we've been, clo- that wallet's been closed down since 2015, 16, and I've been doing that for the last six years, everybody who says it, because I still have their backup link. And I'm like, here, go do it. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. They had their private keys, so all you got to do is.
0: Oh, they were. Okay.
1: They They had encrypted, they had encrypted keys. Like, I only held the encrypted keys. Um, okay. And so those encrypted keys, as long as they had their password, they could decrypt them because I couldn't see it. It would always decrypt gotcha. on the on the client side, right?
0: Nice.
1: So I would just send them that backup because I would back I backed it up for everybody. Um, and people don't do that kind of stuff that much anymore, right? So <laughs> yeah. I backed every I, I let them encrypt them with their own password. Now if they forgot their password, if they forgot their password, <laughs> right. it's, it's it's a wrap. I guess <laughs> <It's, laughs>
0: More lost, lost Bitcoin, Bitcoin, right? Thing. Can you imagine? Yeah. See, but back then, what, Bitcoin was maybe $500, yeah. $600. So it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't. Yeah, but those lost Bitcoins today just increased the value of the Bitcoins we're holding now. Well, that's when they pay attention again, right? They didn't pay attention when it was $500. But when they look on TV and go, wait, what? I think I have some of that. Or let me go, uh, let me go hey, how do I get this? And yeah, you know, We have people like that that have printed out paper wallets from our machines from years ago, yeah.
1: There's one woman who I think she has like four Bitcoin in her wallet and I've been hunting her down trying to find her. And God forbid she died. You know what I'm saying? Because I've went on her LinkedIn. But I'm like, listen, you have this money sitting over here. And I I did a search, I, you know, uh, Mad Coins. Thomas from Mad Bitcoin, Thomas Hunt. Yeah. I got him to put it out. I was just trying to get everybody, like, tell her that we got this money sitting there. If she wants it, I got the backup for it because it just feels crazy for me to be sitting here looking at this and she's not getting it. So hopefully, hopefully we found her. I've been searching for it for a long time because for Bitcoin she is has, not anything to sneeze no at. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: she has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do after you ditched the wallet and, and moved on to what? What did, you, what did you move on to and want to do then?
1: We started, we built Fluent. We built Fluent. So it was called Fluent for a while. Fluent was basically um, a system. The initial pitch was for us to basically create uh, kind of what Tether's doing, what Tether did, which is to create a currency that connected all the exchanges to one another so you wouldn't have to worry about any foreign exchange risk. And so it was like, if we could get everyone fluent to the same currency, you could trade between all of these different exchanges. So like settlements between... And whether it was in Brazil or whatever, and I can connect all of them you know, So you're between exchanges exactly. Which is what people started doing with tether. I, I
0: hate to say a Ripple, but like you know, sort of like the way Ripple does uh, through, through the back end settlements, or or how did you, how did you do the back end settlement?
1: So that's what that was the initial idea. So then, oh, okay. when I started talking to actually, because what we was trying to do is do it for large businesses. So because the one thing is, if you look at like a lot of K ones, uh, the foreign exchange risk within those K-1s, like the annual reports for anybody that knows knowing them, that number kind of like tied down. So you'll see it'll say with 3% margin of error, with, you know, that kind of thing so that they're not losing money on the exchange back and forth but they can keep the balance of each one right back and forth without having to trust the entity to do it that was the initial idea but when we started talking to controllers we started to realize that their biggest issue was they wanted what they really wanted to do though was to be able to to take their accounts receivable and sell those and get those off of the balance sheet and be able to like CFOs and stuff like can we take our accounts receivables and make a better uh secondary market for those, So the idea turned into that. So we started using Bitcoin, uh NFTs on Bitcoin to create uh NFTs or tokens of each one of those receivables that could be traded. Did
0: you use colored coins, counter
1: Yep, oh, exactly. Yeah.
0: I tell people out there, like what's colored coins? I'm like
1: open that they they changed the name to open asset protocol. But yeah, we use the open asset
0: But not then. That was the only way to do it was like embed some uh, information on the uh, return code <laughs>
1: yep okay. yep yep and so we did that and then of course yeah so then we started we started trying to get it sold get it to people different banks we were going to what wound up happening was we got in with jp morgan and they had their own chain which is called quorum which was a theorem de- uh, derivative so they wanted us to use that instead because that's what they were already working on. So then we went in and built a whole Ethereum version of it. Then we went to talk to another bank, they wanted us to use Hyperledger. So then what I started seeing was it was like we're basically getting back into silos again.